Buenos dias. It's Rock and John. Now hear this.
Secondhand News by Fleetwood Mac from the Rumors album is one of the great, great opening songs for album opening songs. So thus, we are using it to open this episode of Now Hear This. John, why don't you talk a little bit about it? I don't know anything about it. I just love the song. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even a, that big a Fleetwood Mac fan. Yeah, but you you the one that I the impetus it. was this I one. Picked this, I picked this song. This was because, your impetus to put yes, this on, and I was all for it. I picked this song because I just love it. I don't hear it a lot. We picked this song oh, okay, because sorry. you just love it. Okay. <laughs> We picked this song because you just love it. Uh, secondhand News, the opening song of uh, Rumors, a little album you might have heard of by Fleetwood Mac. Uh, we followed that up with uh, Todd Rundgren, one of his solo albums from, I believe this came out in 1989. It was uh, his first solo album for Warner Brothers Records after all those years on uh, Bearsville Records. And uh, he recorded the, the entire album called Nearly Human. He recorded it all live in the studio with a large band and a large chorus. And he didn't play anything on this album, oddly enough. He wrote everything. He was just the vocalist. And it was recorded all live. And it's called For the Want of the Nail. And it, it's a, a duet with Bobby Womack, although it's not really a duet. Bobby Womack is featured on the song. Does he sing lead anywhere on there? No, he I don't think he does. I think he's just in the chorus. What I loved about the song was the lyric. Just the idea for one of the nail, the horseshoe was lost for one of the horseshoe, the horse was lost for one of the right. horse, the rider was lost for one of the rider, the, the message was lost for one of the message, the war was lost. I, I get you completely. What's funny is, for me, it was the music that got me. I mean, we were both longtime Todd Rundgren fans, so uh, this was his first album of new Todd Rundgren music in, I think it was probably five or six years uh, since his, well, it was even more than that. This album came out in 1989. Uh, his last album was uh, the famous Tortured Artist Effect, which was late 1982. So it had been quite a while since he had done, he had just signed a three-album deal with Warner Brothers Records. I don't think he ever got the three albums. Oh, no, he did. He got Acapella came out, then this album, and it was followed by an album called Second Wind, which was in 1991. And an interesting note is... Uh, the keyboard player on on uh, those on Nearly Human was uh, Vince Welnick, who later went on to be the Grateful Dead's final uh, keyboard player for the last five years of their existence. I did not need to know that. Well, <laughs> you do now. Do you want to know how he killed himself? No. He cut his own throat. <laughs> Figure that one out. Okay, speaking of which, we followed that up with uh, Rock and Roll Animal, Lou Reed, the intro, and then Sweet Jane. Just a fine, fine song. Many people will say you can find better versions. I say no. I say this is the version I love to hear. It's a, it's a live version. I think it was recorded at the Academy of Music in late 1973. And I think the guitar, the, the band ended up being Alice Cooper's band for his first solo affair, uh, Welcome to My Nightmare. And it was a prackish John on bass, Dick Wagner and Steve Hunter on guitars. And that was that was something those two guys i don't remember who the drummer was lou reed's rock and roll animal i think it was his first live solo album um after the velvets the thing about this song is that lou reed would always say there are four chords there's another chord everybody thought it was a three chord song and it was very <laughs> important to him that you knew there was that fourth chord in there i think he also had a love hate uh thing with this sometimes he'd really put out and really sing it and would really do a nice job on it um, like he does on this one, really put some energy into it. Other times he'd just throw it away. But that was true of a lot of things. You know, he, he couldn't be pinned down uh, as far as his own songs were concerned. And then we follow that up with a song by Latter Day Squeeze off an obscure album of theirs called Frank, who, which I believe was one of the bandmates' Turtles. 
pet turtles was Frank. And this song is called Melody Motel. It was the uh, last record made by the classic lineup of Squeeze, which included Glenn Tilbrook, Chris Difford, the original drummer, uh, Gilson Lavis, and, of course, on keyboards, Jules Holland. He, was, he wasn't going He was on this. He had come back okay. for, a few out, for a few records, and this was the last one he played on. Between 1980, this album came out in 1989. Squeeze, re, re, they got back together in 1985, and they did a Cozy Fan Tutti Fruity. It followed that with a, an album that was kind of a hit called, that had the song Hourglass on it. I can't remember what that, was, that album was called, but... Uh, and then they did Frank, which just is one of their finest albums, in my opinion. And it just, it tanked. I mean, it never did anything. There were no singles or anything that did anything. But this is a really good song. And it actually became a staple for a while in their live, their live act. I'll just say that I'm glad that Squeeze are back after being gone for many, many years. And Melody Motel is a really good song. And if you like that, I would say check out the album Frank. It's a, a very, very good latter-day Squeeze album. Now we end... This opening segment with one of my favorite songs from the very first Steve Winwood solo album. It was just called Steve Winwood. Right. There, there were three CDs that I acquired when Compact Disc first came out. One was Who's Next, which was a gift, and one was uh, Jimi Hendrix Live at Winterland. But the first one I could really remember buying myself, actually with you, with, yes, in White Plains. At Harvey Sound in White Plains. It was this first Steve Winwood uh, solo album, which I think the whole record is fantastic. The drumming is fantastic. The singing is fantastic. It should be noted, the too, songs. that he didn't play all the instruments on this album. It's one of the, the... His first several albums were him playing all the instruments, but this one, he does This was his first solo album after Traffic. This came out in 77. Traffic had broken up in 74. This song, Vacant Chair, has got a wonderful feel, wonderful oh, groove. Un unlike anything you've ever heard. I used to take my guitar out and play along with this song, and say, there's so much air, there's so much room for me to add fills. Not one fill that I tried ever fit. It was so perfect. The silence was so perfect yeah. that nothing that I tried to do As I say, it's can a, improve it. You'll Attempt never hear a song like this. It's, it's the, not just the song, but the recording is just, just fabulous. What Ooh. a vibe. What a unique, unique vibe. I do hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I did. Who remembers the band Foghat from the 70s? Actually, you know what? I do. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're still around, but uh, it's, it's very different. Their, their lead singer was a guy named uh, Lonesome Dave Peverett, and he passed away several years ago. The band is still going, but it just ain't the same without him. I mean, he was the rhythm guitar player, songwriter, singer. This song is called Jenny Don't Mind. It comes off the last album they made for Bearsville Records uh, in 1983, and it's just one of those songs that caught my ear. It doesn't particularly sound like classic Foghat in that it's not a blues or anything like that. It's a pop song, really. Got a great slide playing going on. All I can say, it's just a song that caught my ear back in 1983, and it's up-tempo. It's a nice rocker, just a good song off of a pretty good album. And this was their kind of their farewell album at the time. And then because we were so into segues, it felt like just a natural to go and use the Doobie Brothers taking it to the streets. You all, everyone knows this song. I love that song. And I, the sound of the bass, I don't know how they did it. I don't know what they turned up or what effect they used or anything. But that bass, it's so crazy that it's alluring. Then we play Clockwork Creep from 10CC. Boy, what a thinking man's kind of band. Great songwriting, great imagination in the lyric, in the production 
in the melody. And this is a song, Clockwork Creep. From the album Sheet Music. And the, the song is about a bomb on an airplane. The airplane is talking to you. The bomb is talking to you. All the little parts. It's, it's actually like a cartoon-like song. I used to, now I don't know how valid this is, but I used to think of 10CC in the 70s as the British Steely Dan. Makes sense. In that you've got, at, by, by this point, actually this is, sheet music was made with the original four-piece band. They were like Steely Dan in they thought things through. Everything was there for a reason with imagination. Yes, they they... They they scrutinized everything, but they never killed it. They didn't they didn't look at things too much. They didn't examine what they were doing too much. There was a point where they pulled back. That's why I always think of them as you know the British version of uh, Steely Dan. And this song is really about a bomb going off in an airplane, done with humor. <laughs> and that's followed by Unsquare Dance by Dave Brubeck. I just thought it sounded great from one song into the next. And this is a song that I believe is in 7-4. You can listen, you can count, you can hear all kinds of fun little aspects to the song that is filled with air. The song, you know, you'll be able to hear every little part put together. This makes the whole thing work. It's actually our first jazz-like song we've used. Is it? Yes. Oh, well, how about that? We're going to have to work on that. Maybe (laughs) maybe get a nice 17-minute Miles Davis going. Cumberland Blues is one of the most unusual songs the Grateful Dead have ever performed. I don't know what time signature it's in, but it's very bouncy. And the other thing is it shines a light on their harmonies, which are not something they were really known for for a long time. But they do. there are some fine harmonies on this song. I couldn't tell you what this song is about at all. It's a very compelling song, especially when played live. You'll, you'll feel the bounce of Phil Lesh's uh, bass. This particular recording was leads off the uh, triple album, Europe 72, live album that the Grateful Dead put out in 1972, uh, documenting their European tour that spring. And there's a bounce to what Phil Lesh, the bass player, is playing. He was, he was playing an old, I think it was, a, I'm not sure if it was a Gibson, but he called it Big Brown because it was a big brown bass. He still pulls it out from time to time. Not for an entire show, but he'll play it a little bit. The sound of his bass really informed what was going to go. And it wasn't just the sound of his bass, but also the, the percolating that was going on. And of course, Jerry Garcia was, was why don't you describe, you, you put it very well the other day, how Jerry Garcia was playing in this song. His guitar style in the song was unique for him. I have to say that I am not a deadhead. Say that right up front. Oh. But I do love this version of this song. The thing about Garcia... You always, not always, often played it in a major key. I assume you know that. But as a guitarist, he was, again, the word is bouncing. Bouncing, he wasn't laying in. You know, Jeff Beck hits every note like it's a sharp smack to the face. Jerry Garcia is sort of floating on the strings, but he's floating with purpose and vision. He's percolating is really what he's yeah. doing on the uh, yeah. on his leaves when, when he's playing these little melodies. And he does it beautifully on here. And so this song really carries me along because of that. The song itself and his guitar playing is some of my favorite of what I think is the best of Jerry Garcia. And I say that as a non-fan. Now, I, I also must say that this uh, uh, is when the Grateful Dead were uh, only had one drummer in the band. When they had one drummer in the band, the great Bill Kreutzmann, they had a real bounce to their step, a, a real, a real purpose to what they were doing. Um, I think when they got the two drummers in, I think it got increasingly sloppy. That's just, and I am a deadhead, and I found that as time went on with the two drummers, it just became sloppy and kind of slowed down. But 
I think he plays fine. I think one of the reasons that this percolates so nicely is because uh, they had a single drummer. They were younger then. I hate to say it, but it's true. They were younger, and they had a, a pop. To, they had a you know a bounce going on. We keep using that word here, but I think it's appropriate.
I'm a clockwork creep, and I can't get asleep. They wind me up and let me go, and I can't unwind. Going out of my mind. My time is coming soon, you know.
From There Goes Ryman Simon, one of my, if not my favorite Paul Simon solo album, it's certainly one of them. It's just, uh, I think this was recorded at Muscle Shoals, this particular song, and which I think Muscle Shoals is uh, a very special place. I just have a feeling the, the music that comes out of the two studios in Muscle Shoals through the years has been very special. By the way, that's where Greg Ullman is recording it right now with Don Was producing. What albums were recorded in Muscle Shoals that you're referring to? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, the Rolling Stones used Muscle Shoals, for Aretha Franklin. Oh, for uh, Sticky Fingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the albums that Aretha did down there but they she did a bunch of great stuff in the late 60s paul simon did some of this oh gosh who's who's recorded muscle shoals it's really more who hasn't tried it uh, it's it's in uh alabama and it's a dry it's a dry county there you know there's a great documentary on muscle shoals that you can see on netflix or rent the dvd or buy the blu-ray or whatever it's a fantastic blu-ray and i would really suggest having a look at it it's called muscle shoals and what I didn't know, I always thought it was one studio. It's actually two studios down there, and they're, they're warring studios. I had no idea about any of this. But they also had uh, house bands, you know, and a lot of these guys, gosh, uh, the house band actually became part of the band Traffic when they put out the album uh, Shootout at the Fantasy Factory, the follow-up to Low Spark of High Heeled Boys in 1983 when they went on the road and did the double live album called On the Road. If you take a look who the rhythm section is, it's Roger Hawkins and Dave David Hood, the bass player and drummer that were in the house band. And then you have people like Spooner Oldham, who was, uh, who's a great keyboard player. He's played with everybody from Neil Young to everybody. I mean, everybody. In any event, we, we're getting away from that. The, the Paul Simon's second solo album is called There Goes Ryman Simon. It's got a real variety of tracks. I mean, each song is a completely different feel and sound, almost a different genre from the song before. This uh, song, Was a Sunny Day, might come off as a very trite song at first, but when you listen to it, like most things with Paul Simon, there's a, there's a real purpose going on in there. And I won't spoil it for you. Just enjoy the melody, dig the lyrics, and uh, it's, it's a great song. And we followed that up with uh, a really, uh, this is off, uh, way out of left field song, off of an album by the Beach Boys that most people consider their worst album ever. And I'm not even going to, it's called the MIU album. MIU stands for, I believe it was Maharishi International University, which was in Iowa or something like that, in Iowa. And they actually, there was a studio there and they went there after their uh, 1977 tour when they damn near broke up for real. And uh, they, they put together this album. Anyway, it's, it's a, not, not a remarkable album other than uh, Brian Wilson's vocals all of a sudden were good again after being very coarse and rough through the 70s. And this is just a song called Pitter Patter written by Alan Jardine and Mike Love and Brian Wilson. I don't know what to say about it other than just listen to it and see if you can dig it. What I love about it is Brian Wilson's driving, almost banging piano and Dennis Wilson's just very, very rockin' drums. 
and then you've got that these kind of dumb lyrics about rain but it's you know as with the beach boys it's it doesn't really matter what the lyrics are it's all in the harmonies and what you hear and it just sounds good and it feels good and it's over before you know it we follow that up with a song called summer's gone which was uh, part of a trilogy brian wilson had uh put together for the the final three songs of the beach boys reunion album in 2012 called that's why God made the radio. The song Summer's Gone is very much about aging, and it's very melancholy, but really achingly beautiful. And uh, you have Brian Wilson, circa 2012, working at full bore, doing just pulling off a really beautiful song. And now, when that was over, I heard a natural segue to the Jimi Hendrix song Drifting from the Cry of Love album. And Which we both love. Uh, even though it's not a real Jimi Hendrix album per se, meaning it wasn't what he envisioned when he died. I remember when we finished, finished with the uh, Summer's Gone by the Beach Boys and you just heard it in your head. You heard drifting segue, being a segue, and by God, it worked, as it often does, except for when it doesn't. <laughs> and then uh, the last, we, just a beautiful, beautiful song by George Harrison, which called Your Love Is Forever from his uh, 1979 self-titled album called George Harrison. And it's just an achingly beautiful song, just showcasing his slide playing, his uh, ethereal slide playing, uh, just some very, very deep, sweet lyrics written for his wife. And uh, we thought it would be a nice way to end the the show. I think it, it also played off of Drifting very well. The final three songs in this show, Summer's Gone, Drifting, and your love is forever. Just create a very relaxed, very comfortable, very soothing mood. I agree. That mood is worth languishing in. <laughs> very well put. Wake up, sunshine. Open up your sleepy eyes for me Can't have your heart in I've been waiting all the night People waiting for the light Sunshine, sunshine Wake up sunshine Let me feel your warm sunlight on me Can't have your hiding Night was long and night was cold But today we're one day older Sunshine, you make my life sunshine Can't imagine what I 
It looks like rain And it's been coming on for hours It looks like rain I hear the rumble of thunder showers Pretty soon the rain will play its sweet refrain While we listen from inside And until it stops we'll hear the drips and drops from beside the fireside So let it rain yeah. And we'll be happy when it starts Cause when it rains The waves of love rise in our heart We won't be sad when there's a storm And we can be glad Cause we can keep warm Listen to the rain A rain swift plane Soon after springtime rains blow over We'll sprout new grain
Life 
Yeah. 
That's what we're talking about.